If you have a Bible, I invite you to open it up to the book of 1 Peter. If you don't know where 1 Peter is, if you can find the big book of Hebrews in the New Testament and then go uh, two more books, James and then 1 Peter, the first of two letters written by the Apostle Peter. We're just getting started in a new series called Resilient Faith because this book talks about a faith that can take a beating without breaking, resilient, faith in Jesus that's resilient. And we're going to be picking it up today in chapter 1 at verse 13. There's a note sheet in your folder if you want to take that out. I encourage you to take some notes. Let's pray together as we uh, get ready to hear God's word together. Father, we just pause in this moment to say, please speak to us by your spirit. Will you cause your written word to become living word in our hearts and minds? Give us ears to hear and hearts to embrace your truth, to love it, to wrestle with it, to live it. We pray you would do this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, 1 Peter 1.13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions, the desires of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy In all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ." like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in these last times for your sake, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God, for all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass, the the grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. I want to focus your attention particularly on verse 16 and the words... You shall be holy, for I am holy. That's a quotation from the Old Testament. The Torah uh, occurs several times, for example, in the book of Leviticus. God, speaking to his people, says, You shall be holy, for I am holy. And I wonder what you think of when you hear that. How do you respond to that? You shall be holy, for I am holy. Does that sound like good news to you? 
<laughs> it really depends on what you think holiness is, doesn't it? Is it a good thing? Is it a beautiful thing? Is it a satisfying thing? Or is it, is it kind of a harsh thing, a grim thing, a joyless thing, a boring thing? Do holy people ever have any fun? Do you even know any holy people? I know there's one idea about holiness that I think is pretty common, and that is uh, that holiness is completely unrealistic. It's unattainable, at least for normal people who don't live in monasteries. I, I took a little survey in the office the other day, and I just asked around, I asked a few people what their reaction was to the words, you shall be holy, for I am holy, and they all said basically the same thing in other words. They all said basically, well, it sounds impossible. It sounds impossible. And yet here it is. Here it is in a letter inspired by the Spirit of God, written by the Apostle Peter, to ordinary people just like us, and God's Spirit through Peter says to us, be holy in all of your conduct, for it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. God says that to us. <laughs> what does that mean? We need to think about this. Because, in a very real sense, what this book is telling us is, this is what resilient faith is for. The purpose of a resilient faith in Jesus is not simply to have faith in Jesus. You know, the Bible never says that. It never says, have faith in order to have faith. The purpose of a resilient faith is a changed life that glorifies God and enjoys Him forever, as the old Westminster Confession says. Like it says back in chapter 1, verse 7, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, now look at this, so that the tested genuineness of your faith may be found to result. So there's a result, there's a, there's a goal, there's a purpose here. And what is that? In praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The purpose of faith is a life that results in praise and honor and glory when we see Jesus. And so it's a life. Resilient faith leads to a, a certain kind of life, a life that brings praise and glory and honor. And one way you can describe that kind of life is a holy life. It's a holy life. So, if holiness, if when we hear that, if that sounds impossible to us, or if that sounds unattractive to us, if it sounds boring to us, then... Or, you know, something that's just for the spiritual elite, you know, the spiritual Navy SEALs. If that's how it sounds to us, then we're missing something. We're missing something. So we need to think carefully about this. And we need to ask God. In fact, I'm going to ask Him right now. Father, will you help clear up any confusion that we might have about what holiness is and help us see it the way you mean it to be? So I want to, I want to ask 
consider three questions about holiness, about becoming holy. And we'll start with why. Now follow the logic here. Why does God call us, why does he call those who believe in Jesus, followers of Jesus, why does he call us to become holy? And the answer is because he is holy. You shall be holy for reason, because I am holy. So God's holiness is the reason for us. But how? What? How does that... How is God's holiness a reason for ours, for, for us becoming holy? You know, is God saying, be holy because I said so? You know, I'm God. I get to make the rules. And one of my rules is holiness. So be holy. Well, I think there's an element of truth in that, but I think it really misses the heart of the true reason that's given here because if you look at it, the context emphasizes something else. Look at it. The command to be holy starts out in verse 14 with these words, as obedient children. As obedient children, be holy in all your behavior, for it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Then... Right after the command to be holy, verse 17 says, if you call on him as father. So you see what the context is emphasizing? It's not emphasizing a rule. It's emphasizing a relationship. The relationship of a father to, uh, or the relationship of children to their father. That's what's emphasized here. In other words, holiness is not some arbitrary rule. That God's imposing on us. You know, he could have imposed anything, but he decided to impose holiness on us. No, no. Holiness is an essential characteristic or trait of his family. If you're a Christian, if you're here today and you have personally put your trust in Jesus Christ, you've received him in your life, you have received his forgiveness, he has given you his spirit. If you have done that, then you have been born again. You have been born into God's family. God has changed your identity, and now you are his child. And since he is holy, you as his child need to become holy also because you belong to him. You represent him. Holiness is a family likeness. Have you, have you known people who really look like one of their parents? I mean, you know, it's just kind of uncanny. You look at them and, oh. Or, or, the, or the way they talk, or maybe the way they laugh, you know, and, and you see them, you see the parent, you see the child, and you just go, yep, there's definitely a connection there. Uh, there's definitely a relationship, yet you can't deny You know, the apple didn't fall far from the tree here. The resemblance is unmistakable. You belong. You belong to that family. Well, that's the idea here. God is saying to those who trust in Jesus, you now belong. You belong to my family. You belong to me. You are my child. And so you need to become like me. 
and I am holy. So you see what's at stake here? What's at stake here? This is really the issue. Can people tell who your father is by looking at how you live? Can people tell who your father is? If you're a believer in Jesus, can they see the family resemblance? Can they tell who your, who your father is by looking at how you live? I, I thought of it too late, but I should have titled this message, Who's Your Daddy? Because this is not an arbitrary rule. This is a deep, deep family trait. We need to become like our Father who is holy in the very essence of who He is. You know, we see this all throughout the Bible. When the prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6, when he had a vision of God in the temple, and he, he heard these angels, these seraphim, crying out, And what did they cry out? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, is Yahweh of hosts, Yahweh Almighty. And then the Apostle John had a very similar experience. When he saw a vision of heaven in Revelation chapter 4, verse 8, and he heard heavenly beings, and and they were doing the same thing. It says, they never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. The the beings around God, the angels, they're they're in awe of God's holiness. Holy, holy, holy. Our Father is holy. Okay, what does that mean? That's the second question. What? What does it mean to be holy? Well, you may have heard, you may know, that the word holy means set apart or distinct or unique, different. You know, I tell people, most people have two sets of dishes in their home. They have the the ordinary dishes and they have the holy dishes, the china that only comes out for special occasions. Unique, distinct, set apart. And we re- when we read in the Bible about people encountering the presence of God, what do we see? We see them overwhelmed by how utterly different God is from us. Utterly, completely other than us. He is creator. We are creation. He is infinite, unlimited. Well, we are finite. We are limited. He is eternal, not bound by time like we are. He is unspeakably majestic in power and wisdom and glory. He is God, and we're not. He is holy. Well, okay, then how in the world can we be holy? Because we're not infinite. We're not all-powerful. We're not the creator. How can we possibly be like God who is completely other? Well, it's because holy refers to more than his divine nature. It also refers to his character. 
So when you're talking about being holy, you've got to distinguish that. In other words, it's not just his deity, his godness that sets him apart from our humanity. It's his moral beauty. Or to say it another way, he's not, he's not just different from us because he's God. He's different from us because he's good. He's good. Absolutely good. In fact, when people encounter God in the Bible, it, it's, this, it's this absolute goodness of God that seems to overwhelm them. So you go back to that passage in Isaiah 6, and you see this. You see just being overwhelmed with the goodness of God and, and how, you know, Isaiah realizes he's not good and he doesn't deserve even to get a glimpse of God's glory. He sees the glory of God and he says, Woe is me! I'm ruined! I'm lost! For I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Oh man, I don't deserve to be here right now. I'm not good enough to be here. I, I was trying to think of how to, you know, kind of get a feel for this. I want you to imagine that you've been doing some really dirty, grimy, sweaty job all day long. And you haven't washed yet. You haven't cleaned up. You haven't taken a shower. You haven't put on clean clothes. In fact, imagine you've been doing that for several days. Okay? And you haven't washed. You haven't put on new clothes or anything. How do you feel? How do you look? How do you smell? (laughs) Now, imagine you open a door and walk through it, and suddenly you find yourself in the middle of a wedding reception, a very formal wedding reception. And right near you, right in front of you, is the bride in all of her glory, and she's dressed in spotless white. Her skin is immaculate. Her hair is perfectly arranged. And she is surrounded by her bridesmaids in this display of amazing beauty. And all of the guests are all dressed up. And they're very clean. And you've just stumbled into the middle of it. And everybody turns and looks. Can you imagine how out of place you would feel? And you would just cringe and think to yourself, I am so gross. I so don't deserve to be here. I should not be here. See, I think that's just a hint, just a hint of how Isaiah felt in the presence of God's holiness. But see, it wasn't, it wasn't his physical dirt you know, he wasn't saying I'm a man of unclean lips because, you know, I just ate a chocolate bar and I've got chocolate on my lips. He was just saying, I, whenever I speak, it's just, it's, 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 it's just bad. I'm, I'm bad. Uh, you know, he, he sees God's glory and he, he hears the angels of God say, holy, 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 and he immediately thinks to himself, God is good and I'm not. And if you had been there, you would have thought exactly the same thing and you would have fallen on your face. And so would I. Because we're not good. 
Not like God is good. But Jesus came to make us good. Jesus came to make us good. He came to wash us. He came to enable us to stand in the presence of God without shame. Without any shame. Without, in fact, without any consciousness of, of just our own self, unworthy or whatever. Just to stand in the presence of God and worship Him and declare holy, holy, holy. See, that's what's so amazing about the gospel. You know, I think one of the reasons we're not that amazed at the gospel sometimes is because we're just not amazed at how holy God is and how unholy we are without His grace in Jesus Christ. This gospel is that God Himself, the holy God Himself, in the person of Jesus Christ, came to turn unholy sinners into holy children of God. That is amazing. And if it sounds impossible to you, I just want to say to you on the basis of God's word and the authority of God's word, don't underestimate Jesus. Don't underestimate the grace of God and the glory of God and the power of God to change you. Jesus did for us what we could never do for ourselves. And when we put our trust in him alone, he's our only hope to be right with God. When we put our trust in him, then God, see, God regards his death as our death. And he regards his goodness as our goodness. This incredible substitution, you see it in 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us. So our sin goes on Jesus so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Think of this. God is able to regard you as righteous, as holy, as good, because, for this reason and this reason alone, because the justice of God was completely, totally satisfied by the righteousness of Jesus Christ. On your behalf. Romans 3.22, this righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. See what that says? To all who believe. It doesn't say to all who believe in our spiritual Navy SEALs. This righteousness, the righteousness of God, being right with God is a gift. It's a gift. You receive it through faith in Jesus. And that, my friend, is what makes it possible, and that's the only thing that makes it possible, for you to have a relationship with the all-holy God. Because you don't come to Him in your merits. You don't come to Him in your achievements. You don't come to Him in your righteousness. You come to Him in the merits, the achievements, the righteousness of Christ. And that is all the righteousness you need to become a child of God. And then, once you are his child and you are righteous in his sight, you could call this legal righteousness or positional righteousness. God looks at you and he sees righteousness because he sees the righteousness of Christ on you. Once you're his child, then Jesus continues to work in you to make you righteous practically. Not just legally righteous, but practically righteous so that you become good in how you live. 
And this is what Jesus saved us for. We're not saved to be saved. We're saved to be good. Okay, Titus 2.14. Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness. There's that legal righteousness, redeemed. And to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. There's practical righteousness. Purified to be zealous for good works. That's what it means in practical terms, to be holy. To become good, as Jesus himself is good. (laughs) And you know what? That's different. That's different. Being good the way Jesus is good is different. Holiness is reflecting the goodness of Jesus Christ to a world that desperately needs goodness. And, And that's why true holiness is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's not just avoiding evil. Now, it includes that, but you know, sometimes we tend to define righteousness or, or holiness as this negative thing. You know, well, it's not doing that. You know? uh, and it includes that. We see it here. You know, don't be conformed to the passions, the desires of your former ignorance. Don't let your uh, desires lead you in directions that are just like people who don't know Jesus, who aren't children of God. Don't go that way. But it's more than just avoiding evil. It's also positively doing good. Think about this for a minute. When Jesus was here on earth, people flocked to be near him. They flocked to be near him. They wanted to be near him. They wanted to hang around Jesus. Why? Is it because of what he didn't do? Yeah, I like Jesus. She don't cuss or smoke or chew. And he don't go with girls that do. <laughs> they wanted to be near him because of what he did do. What did he do? He loved them and he told them the truth. Love them, told them the truth. Love them, told them the truth. Love, truth, love, truth. I think that's a very simple way. You know, uh, people felt wanted by Jesus. He actually wanted them, and it blew them away because he communicated to them is that's how God feels about you. He wants you, and yet he never condoned their sin. He never beat around the bush. He told them straight up the truth love, truth, love, truth, love them, told them the truth. I think that's a very simple way. Maybe it's too simple, but I, I like it because it can stick in my head. This is a good way to describe what holiness is. Christ-like love and absolute truthfulness. Christ-like love and absolute truthfulness. And I see it in verse 22. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Completely truthful, completely loving. That's different. That's holy. Christ-like love, Christ-like truthfulness. And you can become like that if through Christ God is your Father. In fact, you must become like that because your Father is holy and that's the family likeness. Extravagant love, absolute truthfulness. Okay, how? Third question. 
Well, there's no quick fix. You know, we won't be passing out pills after the service that you can take to make you holy. Because what are we talking about? We're talking about deep changes, you know? I mean, we're, we're just not naturally inclined to be extravagantly loving and absolutely truthful. So these deep changes need to happen in terms of attitude and uh, habits and, you know, inclinations, character, deep character change. So when you hear what I'm about to tell you about how to become holy, please do not hear this as, hey, two quick and easy steps to become holy in 10 days or less. In fact, you're going to need to ponder this You're going to need to talk about it in your small groups. You're going to need to talk about it with your family. You're going to need to talk about it with your friends. You guys have to think about this because we can't possibly do justice to this in our time right now. But at the risk of making it sound too easy or too simple, let me give you two critical essentials for pursuing holiness. Think of it as a pursuit, as a race. Go after it. Based on what I see here, two, first, Get serious about holiness. So get serious about it. I need to get serious. You need to get serious. We all need to get serious. As it says in verse 13, be sober-minded. We're a culture. This is tough for us because we're a culture that doesn't like to get serious about anything. Because we think, well, being serious, that's not fun. Well, I want to have fun. Okay, let me be clear. By serious, I don't mean joyless. I don't mean serious like that. Not joyless. Joyless is not holy. Holy doesn't mean joyless. Jesus said, I've told you these things so that my joy can be in you and that your joy can be complete. Joylessness is not holiness. So what I mean is, take holiness seriously as if it really matters because it really does. Holiness is way, way, way more important than many of the other things that preoccupy so much of our time and our thinking. Look at verses 17 through 19. Just look at this. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds... Conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. Do you see these serious things here? Your father judges impartially. Conduct yourselves with fear. You've been ransomed with the precious blood of Christ. That's serious stuff. This doesn't mean we're to live in terror of God. Jesus rescued us from God's wrath. He redeemed us by His blood. That's what it says. He is our Father. He's not our executioner. But He's a holy Father. And we are to treat Him with reverence and respect. So what this means is just take it seriously. Take holiness seriously. Take God seriously. Live in awe of Him. Live in awe of the massive price that He paid to redeem you. Holiness is what He rescued you for. It really matters. 
So get your head in the game, I think. That's what it's telling us. Frankly, I'll say this, and I probably I might regret it later, but I'm going to say it anyway because I think it's true. If you don't care about living a holy life, I'm not talking about struggling to live a holy life. I don't think anybody lives a holy life without struggling. But if you don't care about it, if you don't care about living a holy life, you're probably not a Christian. Because Jesus died to make you holy. And if you don't care about holiness, you don't care about him. See, somebody who knows Jesus is far more likely to respond to all of this and say, Whoa. Whoa. God, I am not holy. I, I am not as good as I need to be. I, I am not. Please help me. Help me. That's what I mean about getting serious. And that brings up the other critical essential. Use the resources God has given you. Use the resources God has given you. You can't make yourself holy by your own efforts. We are completely dependent on the grace of God, but God in His grace has given us in Jesus all that we need. I already talked about Jesus making us righteous in God's sight by dying in our place so that when we put our trust in Him, we are legally righteous. He's also given us the things that we need to be practically righteous, and those three things are... Prayer, people, Bible. Prayer, people, Bible. Prayer, people, Bible. Prayer, verse 17, if you call on him as Father. Prayer is calling on your Father for his help, his guidance, his strength, his wisdom, his comfort, for everything you need. Total dependence on God expressed through prayer. If you're not praying, if you're not depending, you're not going to be holy. Second, people. God's people, verse 22, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. We talked about this just recently in their series on the purpose of church. But I'm going to say it again. We need Christian friends who encourage us, challenge us, stir us up to love and good deeds, tell us the truth. People. And third, Bible, God's word, verse 23. You have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. You know, there's really only one way to know for sure what's good and what isn't. Only one way to know for sure what's really good and what isn't, and that's to have your mind filled with the word of God. So, if, if you know, you want to pursue holiness... Prayer, people, Bible. Prayer, people, Bible. Prayer, people, Bible. You know, it's like if, if God gave me a lawnmower and said, mow the lawn, and I'm out there with a pair of nail clippers mowing the lawn, how successful am I going to be? Use what he gave you. And that's, that's what it's saying. Get serious. Use the resources God's given you. I encourage you to talk about this. In your small groups, talk about with one another, talk about with your friends, your family. How can we help each other become extravagantly loving and completely truthful, holy? Let's pray.
Before I pray, I just want to say, if you happen to be here today and you have not taken that step of putting your trust in Christ and receiving His righteousness to clothe you, to cleanse you, to make you right with God, that can be yours today just by saying, I'm a sinner, I deserve to be separated from God, but Jesus, you have done everything necessary for me to be right with God. I put my trust in you. I choose to call on you as my only hope. You could do that today. If you'd like to talk to somebody about it, come and talk to me right after the service or talk to whoever you're here with today. Become a child of God. And Father, we, we just, I, I read this and I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm tempted to think that I can't do this and yet you have called all of us to do this, to be holy as you are holy. Lord, may we be so in awe of you, so in love with you, so amazed by you that we just pursue what you want us to pursue. May we use the resources you've given us. Keep us serious about this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.